Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Goldmouth Ramble, the weekly football show brought to you every Thursday, apart from this week because it's Friday, um, <laughs> where we talk about all things Premier League. Uh, my name is Nick, as you should know by now, and normally joining me uh, at this point, I introduce Reese and Jacob to the show, but this week, Reese is a lone soldier again. Um, hello. How hello. Are, uh, Jake can't be here because uh, he's got other things going on in his life. Again, in his life again. How rude. Um, but so it's just me and you, Reese. How do you feel about that? I'm all right with it, mate. I'm all right with it. I think it's because it's quite a low key affair, as in there's nothing to like review from last week. It's fairly chill environment, isn't it? It's nothing. Pure vibes on the, today's yeah, episode. Yeah, chill vibes today. Chill vibes. Um, the Premier League is back. Pure, unadulterated Barclays is on the horizon. And of course, we will delve into our mine and Reese's previews of all of the uh, 10 fixtures coming up this weekend. I've got Jacob's uh, score predictions ready and waiting to go as well. Uh, to end the show, we will, of course, uh, drop into Reese's Fantasy Football Corner, where uh, you're going to give us a little bit of a wander through who you're looking at picking up this week ahead of this mm-hmm. weekend's fixtures and I think there's been some uh, escalation in the drama at the top of yeah. the table which we will get to uh, but uh, Reese, we need to start with some exciting news that's happened since we've last spoken in that Wales mm-hmm. have, well they've not qualified for the World Cup like haven't. England have obviously but, uh, <laughs> uh, but they have got through to the qualifiers uh, yes. for the World Cup So, and it's a bit of a convoluted system as far as I'm aware so uh, there's yeah. t- there's 10 teams that are in the World Cup playoffs now. 12. Well, I've yeah. started wrong already. 12 <laughs> teams that are in the... And then that whittles down to... Is that a... That's a semi-final. It's a one-off game. Is that correct? Yes. So, All well, six of them. It's a bit strange. So there are... like There are seeded and players. not seeded. Yeah. yeah, there's seeded teams. And that's what happened this week was Wales had to get a point um, to get seeded, which means that they are um, guaranteed playing at home in the first game of the playoffs, which is... A benefit and that's the today. that's the that's the one-off one-off game at home well is it? the first one-off game yeah there's two um, Oh god <laughs> yeah so we got a point and i found out today that wales haven't lost a competitive game at home in three years which is quite an achievement um, well along came wales well probably. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's happening but what, how it works is basically there's 12 teams six are seeded six unseeded and they're going to be drawn the next week um to to decide who faces who in the semi-final and then oh also draw like who's going to play who in the final because okay. those those six games are going to have six winners yeah. and then those six winners will each play one game against one of the other winners to so then we're going to three gonna, and then yeah, and those three, those then the three, quali- three qualify exactly are going to go through so it's it's not done yet but we have what's, we've done the uh, what's a best case and worst case scenario for Wales oh, in terms of who to play yeah. um I think everyone who is in seeded situations wants to draw. Uh, I think it's North Macedonia. They are yeah. probably the one that everyone wants. But then the other five teams we could play are either Turkey, Poland, Ukraine, Austria, or Czech Republic. Um, Ooh, none of those are easy, are they? No. Like, Which you would expect at this point mm, of the qualification. Turkey is the one that I think me and like friend of the show, Corey, was also a dear Welshman. Um, <laughs> we wouldn't mind Turkey because we played them at the Euros and we beat them quite comfortably 3-0. They were really poor at the they Euros, were poor weren't they? The Euros, yeah. yeah, so that could be one to look at, but then you don't want to play Poland because Lewandowski can score from anywhere. Um, yeah. Ukraine, Austria, Czech Republic, they're just solid sides. You know, they're decent. Um, and then so on your seeded side of the Euro, Portugal are in there, Italy. Portugal are there, Italy, Scotland, Russia and Sweden are the other five. 
So you win your first game and avoid Portugal and Italy, really. Is yeah, the, that's what you want. Is what you hope for, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know if they're going to draw... I imagine they would, actually. Are they going to draw You know, the final tie as well? As in, will they say the winner of Wales-Macedonia will play the winner of Portugal yeah, against whoever? I, I would imagine so. You'd think yeah. so. So yeah. that's going to be tense. But it's, gonna, it's one of those things that Wales, in this iteration of the team... This everyone, the whole squad is saying it. This is the last chance for people like Bale, Ramsey, Joe Allen to go to the World Cup. This is the last <laughs> the Welsh chance. Shabby. Yeah, literally the Welsh Shabby, the boy, <laughs> Ramsey and Bale, who have you know, I think it was it was Dave Edwards on Sky the day after the Belgium game. He was saying that in the run up to the Euro twenty sixteen, they were like, We understand that we're not, you know, the best players, but we do have Bale and Ramsey. Like he was saying himself, and mm. he was like, We can do a job as a squad. But we know we've now got these two players who can take us to the next level, which is what they did at the Euros, you know. And yeah. that's we're hopeful that we can, we can, we have enough about us to go to do something in March, which is where the playoffs are. Because if we how, have a favourable draw, you know. Yeah. How did uh, how did your did your performances the last couple of last week or so? Did they instill belief in you that you could beat anyone on your day out of that other eleven teams oh, if you got joined against them? I thought so. Like oh, we played uh, Belarus first, we beat them five one. And it was the first time Wales had scored five goals in a game for like 14 years or something. Insane. Um, which was really nice to see. We, have, we haven't beaten someone comfortably for a long time. And then against Belgium. Mm. Yes, you know, there's, there's the asterisks of they didn't play. They didn't have Lukaku. They didn't play Hazard. They didn't have, you know, the star players out. They did have De Bruyne playing. You know, they did have him. They had Torgan Hazard playing. They had players who were clearly, you know, elite level. But it was their quote-unquote second string international yeah. side. Um but we did. We played really well. In the second half, we had the chances to win more than they did. They didn't create many things in the second half at all. Whereas we had a few where Nico Williams could have scored a screamer that would have set Cardiff City Stadium just on fire <laughs> if, if he hit it top bins like it almost did. Um, it's just this team has a real bit of determination and fight and grit about it that previous Wales sides haven't had. You know, we do feel like we can go up against teams and we can put in a good performance. And when you have someone like you've got Ramsey, who for some reason only plays for Wales at the minute, that's all he ever plays for. But when he does, he's excellent. If we can wrap bailing cotton wool for the next three months and then bring him out in March for the two games in the playoffs... Then you know we we could be on to a winner. So I haven't been paying attention to what Ramsey and Bale's club careers have been like this season. They're oh, both non existent, are they? But Bale's played a few games, but he has been rocked with injury, which he has been for a few years. Ramsey the same. He's always been in and out of injury, kind yeah. of state mm-hmm. of play. I don't think he's he's in favour at Juventus much, to, to be honest. Um, but he always plays for Wales and he always does a brilliant job. So yeah, I'm. I th- this side is the most I felt connected to a side including obviously the 2016 run for years, you know, since probably the days when we had players like Hearts and Bellamy and Earnshaw up front, you know, this is the first side since then that I'm thinking this is a really solid Welsh side. You know, Hearts started... and Bellamy and Earnshaw. That's yeah, a no- but... They're all Norwich trio. That is, they've all played for <laughs> Norwich. They are. Well, yeah, they were. <laughs> but one of the, my earliest ever like Welsh memories is probably when we beat Italy at home. Bellamy scored in that game. And it was just that was unbelievable. That was that was when Wales were like we'd we'd hit the map if that makes sense. We were on the map for any of the international football. And then it, after that, we didn't really do much for a long time. And then we had like Gary Speed came in. And Gary Speed made you know brought this new style of play mm. that he wanted Wales to play more attacking football. 
and it was really really exciting to watch for the first time in a long time and then tragically he was he obviously yeah. you know passed away and then but like Coleman carried on the legacy um I don't think Giggs brought much to it but I think Rob Who Page, is your man? Is it say is it Page now? Yeah, Rob is he Page still is... temporary or is he being installed permanently? I'll be honest, I don't know, mate. I don't understand <laughs> what's going on with Giggs because Giggs, for my, or for as far as I'm concerned, Giggs is a wanker. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't sad. want him to be Welsh, Welsh manager anymore. I don't think he's a good manager. He's a, he's an even worse person. So, um, I'd happily see Rob Page, you know, continue with what he's doing because he's he's kept the you know the Chris Coleman Euro 2016 spirit about this team going. You know that we can do something we can beat teams on our day and that should be you know maybe he's not you know the most incredible manager but he has that kind of man managing team ethic about him that really works for wales at the minute so long may that continue and international football that works i think more so than it does at club football because it is literally an isolated game or two where it's if you can just get everybody pulling in the same direction for 90 minutes exactly I, rather than over the course of an entire season like you can exactly. get by with think of how many uh, so many examples in tournaments gone by where there's been like well look at wales in 2016 for example yeah. nobody thought wales were going to get to the semi-finals nope that was unbelievable <coughs> and... as well i've said this before i think that was one of the best summers of my entire life following wales and that in the euros it was just unbelievable secretly i quite enjoyed i shouldn't say this as a <laughs> as an englishman we are proud rivals but it was i loved watching wales in oh it's fantastic it was good fun that was another thing like you said about the whole yes one tournament you know chris coleman has never been you know a great manager you know he's done a job wherever he's been but he's never been the best but what it's something if there was something about 2016 that just made it feel special and the whole team was rallying behind him and bale and ramsey and allen and hennessy and all that and just and and um What's his face? Ashley Williams in the back. And it was, just, you know, mm. there was a real s- solid spine there for the team and the team right around each other. And it was, God, it was just amazing to be part of that. Yeah. I will always remember how Robson Carnu's goal against Belgium, oh. as I'm sure you will do yeah. as well. For <laughs> I remember exactly where I was and it was just, yeah. oh, the Cruyff turn. And like Robbie Savage's commentary is like ingrained in my brain forever. And oh, then that's, he, a, that's a sorry state of affairs. I know, but it's because he's Welsh, he was loving it. And then my, me and my brother are also convinced that, um, yes, the Robson Carnival goal, the moment is amazing. It's one of the best goals in Welsh history. However, the Sam Vokes goal to seal the victory to make another it 3-1. Norwich, another Norwich player. Yeah, Vokes. big Norwich connection in Wales, clearly. But that Sam Vokes goal, that's when it was just absolute euphoria. Like... Uh, that's when holy shit we've done it you know yeah that moment yeah. just lives in welsh infamy forever where sam vokes and chris gunter is losing his mind in the corner chris the fans gunter. going mental mm-hmm. like that i i watched i watched that game's highlights more than probably any other game in my entire footballing life you know <laughs> just it's just the best it's whenever what? they appear on the on the youtube algorithm you'll watch oh it, yeah 100%. yeah i've got like this i've got bookmarks on facebook that go back to like the facebook uh, <laughs> post of that game and stuff it's just you know a trip down memory lane with one of the best football games i've ever seen in my entire life amazing good well we say that when's the draw for that next week yeah the 25th i think good uh well i should be watching that with interest and i will of course be watching wales games as well Uh, and let's hope you can uh you can join england in the in the the finals after our pretty uneventful international break apart from Spashing ten against oh yeah, but the heroes. I forgot they were even playing. That's how bothered <laughs> I was. So I turned. I was playing on the PlayStation, then it got to half. It got to half eight, and I just turned the PlayStation. Off. 
station off at half, and it was half time in the England game. And I was like, oh, yeah, England were playing tonight. I'll check in and see what the score oh, is. 6 0 at half time. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched the second half, and it was, yeah, it was a bit dull. Um, good. Uh, the other big bit of news that's happened since we've been away from the show, apart from Wales uh, and England both doing the business, what they and needed Scotland to do in the international break. Oh, and Scotland as well. They're they in the did as well. Uh, neither of the Irish teams are, are they? No. No. But now Scotland are also seeded, so they, they you know, could get a Theoretically get well. a, a favourable draw. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the other big news that's happened is um, that Norwich have made a decision when it comes to who is going to replace <laughs> Daniel Farker in the dugout at Carrow Road uh, after what was a pretty tumultuous week for Norwich fans. Well... From the outside, it seemed pretty tumultuous, but I think from the inside, everything proceeded exactly as they thought and hoped it was going to. Mm. Um, Norwich appointed uh, Dean Smith as manager on Monday morning, I think it was made made official, but it had been sort of rumoured since sort of Saturday or maybe even Friday that Smith was going to be the man. Uh, and he signed a two and a half year contract uh, at Norwich to become their new head coach. And he's brought uh, Craig Shakespeare with him from Villa. And Shakespeare obviously had spells at Watford with Nigel Pearson, uh, Leicester with under Pearson Famously. and and Ranieri. He was Ranieri's assistant uh, when they won the league. Yeah. Uh, I think he even managed Leicester for a little bit himself when Ranieri yep. was sacked. He led them in the chat in that season when they were in the Champions League. Yeah. Uh, and then he was with Dean Smith at Villa and stuff. So he's got a lot of Premier League experience. Shakespeare, I think that was part of the uh, package that Norwich wanted to bring in somebody who's been scrapping down within some of his clubs. Like let's not forget before the league season four, Leicester won the league. They were um in a very much in a relegation scrap. Yeah. Uh, Watford were as well. Villa have been as well. So Shakespeare's no uh, no um stranger to a relegation battle and neither is Dean Smith he's done so um, uh, Villa Villa in the season that was uh, halted halfway through because of Covid two years ago um, they really had their backs to the wall at one point I think they were eight points adrift of safety at one point that season and they managed wow. to stay up uh, he did something similar at Walsall uh, where he started his managerial career um, so yeah, there's both. I think that's probably what they've gone. Norwich have gone for over a flashy name like Lampard or something like that, where they've gone for a, a pair of a pair of coaches where they think, you know, what what gives us the best chance of staying up this season? Somebody who's been there and done it before. Yeah. Uh, and if it all does go wrong, somebody that has experience of getting a team promoted from the Championship in in the um, Smith did with Villa uh, in the same year Norwich got promoted three years ago. Um, so. I think that's what they've gone for. As I say, it seemed pretty tumultuous from the outside. There was Lampard was announced as by Talksport uh, at some point <laughs> that he was definitely going to be manager, and uh, Kieto Knutsen's name was doing the rounds as well. Um, by the way, but it's that that de- that um, Talksport got absolutely fed a fed a line. I reckon that was by Stuart Webber. I honestly <laughs> do, as revenge for. Uh, whatever nonsense has been spouted, he's that he's that kind of petty. I believe yeah. he, I believe he, hundred percent will have done that. Um, but again, take it. You have to take it at face value because obviously, obviously, what the club are going to come out and say. But uh, they maintained uh, or said so in their press conferences this week that as soon as Smith became available, he was the number one choice. Uh, they obviously fired Farker with a short list of people in mind and Smith wouldn't have been on the list because he was still yeah. in a job for Villa at Villa and you wouldn't have been able to tempt Smith to leave his boyhood club to come to Carrow Road, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but uh, Weber said that as soon as 
uh, he heard that Smith had been fired on the Sunday. His ears pricked up. He rang Smith's agent straight away on the Sunday and said, uh, what was what words to the effect of, um, I'm expecting that Dean's going to want some time out of the game, but I'm just putting some feelers out there to see whether he'd be interested in something like this. And his agent said, let me get back to you. And he got back to him within the hour and said, let's chat, let's talk. So mm. uh, Weber and uh, Neil Adams, who's the assistant director of football, who's a Norwich uh, legend. He's been around at Norwich for ages in various capacities. Um, he was a manager at, for, at some point in the last five or six years. But um, they went over to Birmingham on Tuesday uh, went to Dean Smith's house, met him, met his wife, uh, had a sat, had a sit down, uh, had discussions between three of them. I think Shakespeare was there as well. Um, everything was pretty much sorted there and then, apart from like dotting the i's and crossing t's and stuff. The only um, non negotiable, as Smith put it, in in what they wanted to do was him and his wife wanted to fly out to the US to go and visit their son, who they hadn't seen in eighteen months because of COVID, and he's got a football scholarship at one of the universities over there i think so oh, wow. um they went over they went over to uh, visit him and that was that was why there was a bit of a delay in everything and that's why it seemed from the outside that there was a bit of a shambles going on in Norwich, and they couldn't make any decisions and mm. they were struggling to get their number one choice but it was all it was all essentially agreed on the tuesday uh, it was just waiting for him to get back from new york from visiting his son uh, to actually officially sign it and announce it um from the outside, I've got thoughts on it, which I'll get to briefly in a minute. But Reese, from the outside, what do you think about Smith as an appointment? I think he's probably a good pick for Norwich, to be fair, considering what you need him to do. Like, I what I do wonder if he's been given the job of can you keep us up, or if it's just can you write the ship and then next year you can do this as this. If that makes sense, yeah. Because I think the art you worry that Norwich are a little bit adrift at this point, even oh in this early stage. I know you're very close to the Newcastle, but I feel like the Norwich job at the minute is very big. He has lots of things to try and fix. So I don't know if he's going to immediately solve those issues. Um but I think he's like you've said, he's a guy that knows his way around a team in a relegation battle. My only my biggest concern about the entire thing is I didn't like how they got, you know, they got Dean Smith and he wasn't on the initial plans. You know, mm. like what would they have done if he hadn't been sacked by Villa? Like, yeah. what made them change their mind? It was like, oh, now that he's available, we'll get him. Like, I get that can happen, but it cho- does seem I'm like cho- a bit of a panic. Break. I'm choosing to believe that Weber simply couldn't believe his luck. As in, as in that right? they had, they fired him and they had a candidate. They were obviously clearly happy and excited about to go and fire Daniel Farker from his job and, and pursue that and talk to them. Yeah. Um, but I choose to believe, and a bit of uh, thing that's come out in the in the aftermath of all this this week is that when Weber was director of football at Huddersfield before Norwich, when they got promoted and, and, and he uh, appointed Daniel Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Wagner? Think Richard, so. what, what is Richard his name? Wagner. No, that's a no. that's an act, that's a composer. I don't know. Who it was. <laughs> right, you keep talking. I'll find out. <laughs> they pointed Wagner. Um, yeah, uh, when they pointed him, they wanted um, he wanted Dean Smith was on his candidates list at Hudders- for Huddersfield at that time as well. So Weber and David Smith, Wagner. David Wagner, good. Uh, they have known each other for years now. Um, 
and he's always been a fan of him and they've known each other obviously through whatever dealings they've done with Norwich and Villa respectively and they've had a really good sort of close personal relationship I think that's part of why the Villa thing was so easy to do even though there's directors of football and stuff involved I think Weber and Smith um, have been quite close in, in, in as far as you can be of like opposition um, sort of higher ups at other club, football clubs I and mean, football is probably quite a, 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 more than we probably realise like a very close community within clubs because yeah. managers move and staff move between clubs like nobody's business every year so um yeah he was clearly a fan of him five years ago and i think what he's done in the last five years at brentford particularly and then villa uh will have well we won't have it won't have put a dampener on any any i thought as weber had of smith so i understand the point and that was one of the my biggest reservations of it as well was that well they've kind of ripped up whatever their plan was and said right dean smith because they clearly had a plan and they've completely diverged away from whatever the plan was, which yeah. is a little bit worrying. Um, but if it's a man that, as I said, as I'm choosing to believe and has kind of sort of been what the soundbite has been in the, all the press conferences, I know that's the purpose of the press conference, but yeah. it's to convince you that this is the right man for the job. But it kind of sounds like Weber couldn't sort of believe their luck that Smith was fired a day after they fired Farker and it all just mm. fell into place. Um, that's fair. Yeah, my other big worry was that as I said on the last podcast, I said D- Smith would have been somebody I'd have been happy with at a different time for both parties. So that mm. uh, particularly, I think Dean Smith, after losing the job at his his the club he supported for his 50, for fifty years, um, and how it finished, like on that f- that run of five losses, I was I would have thought it, if I were Dean Smith, I'd have wanted to take the rest of this season out as a bit of a break from football and just sit back and reevaluate and reassess and go again in the summer with whichever job is around either the Premier League or the Championship because he'd walk into most Championship vacancies or all Championship vacancies in the summer. But, and that was what Webber's question was to his agent. He said, I'm expecting you to say jog on, but can you ask Dean what's, if he is interested? And as he came back and he was like, absolutely, let's go. That's one of the things Smith was... Uh, was put to Smith this week in his press conferences was how how have you dealt with being sacked by Villa and then such a quick turnaround to Norwich and he said it's something you have to get used to with you working football that ability to detach yourself from any working situation because it's an absolute cut professional sport it's the most cutthroat business of them all and yeah. if you get too attached to a project or people somewhere then you're going to fall on it's going to turn sour at some point so you just learn it's an ability you pick up along the way to just completely be able to detach yourself quickly and move on to the next thing and he's clearly seen something in Norwich that he wants uh, and likes and vice versa so um, yeah I think it's a sensible he'll get some life out of Todd Cantwell that was one of the things I was was going to go on to Mm. I think when you look at what he did with uh, Grealish I don't think Cantwell is anything is is the player that Grealish is. I'm not saying that for any for for uh, at all. No. Uh, but when he went in at Villa, went in the Championship, Grealish was had all the talent and potential in the world, but um, wasn't fulfilling it. Um, and was I don't know if it was people through accusations that these kind of players like Madison, or Grealish, or Cantwell that they can be a bit lazy and a bit have a bit of an attitude issue. I think that's just with that comes naturally with the style of play that they play with, where yeah. it's a bit sort of casual and and stuff like that. Um, 
but he literally turned Grealish into a hundred million pound player. Grealish tweeted when he was fired that Dean Smith was the greatest of all time, and no one will ever compare. He tweet he did that in his Instagram or his Twitter or did whatever it, it was. Um, so I think there's an element they probably looked at that and thought, well, Cantwell's been out in the cold um, uh, this season for whatever reason or another. Um, I think it's pretty clear at this point that him and Fark had a pretty severe falling out for whatever reason that may have been. Yeah. Um, because it was Smith's first day in training, hosting training today as we're recording this, and Cantwell was very much front and center of all the videos and photos and stuff um, that came out of that training session. So he was back training with the first team today. Uh, the same with Billy Gilmore. Um, he mm. should get much more of a look in now. And Christos Jolis, our Greek wonder kid that we signed, and everybody was very excited about in the summer. Um, scored two. two scored two assisted to on his debut in the cup against Bournemouth and everyone was like oh my god what have we got on our hands here <laughs> and then he missed the penalty against Liverpool in the Carabao Cup and hasn't started a game since and has made one substitute appearance in two months um, so I think those kind of the players are get, that are going to benefit the most from a change of management and when you're a team like Norwich where you are struggling down the bottom end of the table you need those as much as you need to be defensive solidly and stuff like that, you need those flair players to just change the game in an instant. And mm. and so if you're struggling, it's nil-nil or you're 2-1 down with five minutes to go, you need somebody that can just do it, have a moment of brilliance, pull something out of the bag for you. Yeah. Uh, and Cantwell, Jolis and Gilmore. I've yet to see it from Gilmore, but I'm told he is the man that is, Mate, is a man that can do that kind of he thing. He played so. for Scotland over the international break and he was, you know, his the player you can't, you, you know, yeah. expect from him. Yeah. You know, the game that you, the player that you saw against England in the Euros in the summer, that's what Billy Gilmore is. Yeah. And it hasn't he's, worked out Norwich yet. Yeah. But he's, Farker didn't, I said again, I think this was on the last episode, Farker didn't play him in the right midfield makeup. Mm. Um, he was um, starting midfielder at the beginning of the season. We had no sort of defensive player alongside of him. Like yeah. for what I've seen of Gilmore, he's a deep line playmaker. He's not a box to box, all action, put a foot no. in kind of player. So he needs that guy to do the hard yards next to him and then distribute to him. And then he can do whatever he wants with it. And he, Farkin never gave him an opportunity to play in that sort of uh, midfield makeup. So I think we've got the personnel in there now. We've now we've got signed Norman since uh, Gilmore had his run in the team, who's that exactly that kind of player, mm. um, all action midfielder. So I think midfield two of that. Although Smith likes to play four three three, pretty much. Uh, so it'll be I assume it will be Norman Gilmore and and somebody else going forward. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of a lot of Norwich play, fans were initially a little bit underwhelmed by it. I think that's maybe because he's just like the whole Farker experience was like this unknown like German manager who's come in he looks like a Bond villain but then when he opens his mouth sounds like he should be doing like um, underbridge like audio tapes and stuff like it's just yeah. it, it, and it was kind of like the hipster football manager experience where we had this guy that nobody else really knew about and he was amazing and then oh we've gone back to another English manager and it's like oh, there's a bit of a bit of an anticlimax, a bit of like whiplash. But when you actually step back and look at it, and I think a lot of the Norwich fan base has done this in the last week, and you look at Dean Smith, he's got all the credentials. I think that realistically, considering the situation Norwich are in, they couldn't really ask for much more than Dean Smith, I don't think. Um, Excellent record with youth and and he's a clearly an excellent football coach he's turned some like he turned Matty Cash into a really good player. Mm. He was good at Forest but he wasn't the player he was 
Uh, obviously, he is at Villa, and, and he's and he's turned him into a right back as well because uh, he was a midfield centre midfielder at Forest. Tyron Mings has come on leaps and bounds under him. He's turned Concer into a Premier League central defender. Uh, he's taken McGinn into and turned him into one of the best uh, sort of midfielders outside the top top teams in the Premier League. Um, and he was like plucked from uh, I think he was at Hibs before uh, before mm. Villa. So he's come down from the SPL and he's turned into a great player. Look what he did with Grealish. Like there's loads of examples that he's a really good football coach, along with his record with youth players, footballing values, um, and his Premier League experience, particularly at that bottom end of the table. So all things considered, um, myself and a lot of Norwich fans really, when you look at it, can't really ask for much more than the situation no, we're in. And we're all behind him. I say, regardless of who you thought you wanted, it's come Saturday, yeah. three o'clock at home against Southampton. It's, well, yeah, Daniel Farker is a, is a distant memory and on with the Dean Smith era. Um, I think it's, it's worth discussing just briefly. Go on. What is Lampard waiting for? I read that. Well, I think he was in Athletic the other day. And it's part of me thinks that Lampard, because he had a Chelsea job, he now thinks that his next job should be maybe not one that's, you know, Chelsea caliber, but one that's like, you know, on the bridge of Europe, that kind of thing. Well, he's clearly not going to get a Premier League job because he was just in negotiations with the team that are bottom of the Premier League and they decided not to offer him the job. Yeah. So like and like we said on the last episode, the Villa jobs passing by, the Newcastle job, the Wolves mm-hmm. job, the Palace job, like I don't know. Um, again, reading into what Stuart Weber said this week, uh, I think Lampard's PR team did a good job in the media. They got out ahead of the story that right. um, Smith was going to be appointed. Uh, Weber said that Lampard was never offered the job. It wasn't that Lampard turned it down. It was they had discussions with Lampard on Wednesday, I think, after they'd spoken to Smith on Tuesday. Just to get the lay of the land, um, Lampard is in Dubai as well. So there was a lot of, um, uh, a lot of. I think uh, they might have even gone out to Dubai to see him on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, uh, so, and yeah, there was just there was one that one day or whatever, however a few hours of discussions, and that was it. And then they informed Lampard that they wouldn't be considering his, uh, wouldn't could be considering his name going forward. So. I think Lampard's team did a good job of getting ahead in the media of that and saying he turned down the opportunity where I think the reality was that maybe he he was never really going to get it in the first place. But I understand your point you're making completely. Like, I don't know what Lampard, what his future really looks like. Because I said, the team that's bottom of the Premier League has said, no, you're all right. So back to the championship, maybe. Unless there's a team that wants to make a change in this. I think like making bringing Lampard in mid-season might be a bit of uh, upheaval for for because I think but so like a team that's going like starting afresh in the summer where you've got a whole like two or three months for him to get in his coaching staff and instill a, like a transfer policy and stuff maybe that be more attractive for the club and Lampard but we'll have to see I don't think he's a bad manager for any for by any stretch of the a stretch of the imagination like I said on the last episode again if he'd come in I'd have been reasonably happy with that he would have been galvanized as players I have no doubt he's got an excellent record with youth. Um, so I've I've no doubt I'll be back in management at some point but probably not in the Premier League as it's going at at the minute Uh, well initially at least he maybe have to go back and get somebody promoted Uh, but good Uh, so we will move swiftly on from my Dean Smith talk um, to our predictions for game week 12 season is rattling along and we are Um, going to enter what three months of just 
unadulterated but including the christmas like yes. calendar which is always the best bit where you play like 10 games five game, in, yeah 10 games in like 35 days or something yeah. great Wonderful stuff stuff um Points wise, we didn't uh, check in on this last week, but uh, in terms of our predictions, um, mm. it's the gap has closed. Reese, you are still in the third place, but the gap okay. has closed. You're still in the third on fifty five points. Jake is in second place on fifty eight points, and I'm in first place on fifty nine points. So the gap has really closed. A couple of results this week. 60. Yeah, man. And things have been. We are. Uh, but the. Uh, to kick us off after the international break, it's your boys, Reese. Uh, yes. Chelsea are travelling to Leicester in the lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Uh, go on then. What are we looking for? Hit Lukaku and Werner back. They're in training, but I don't. I think Lukaku is still working individually, which is a bit of a concern. I think his injury was more severe than people realised when he did it uh, all those weeks ago against Malmo. Um, Werner, what is, I think, what's is the bit... nature of it? It was an ankle injury, um, but I'm not sure. It, no, they've not been really clear on what it was, whether it was like ligaments or if it was like a fracture or something. It was just, I don't know. It was, you know, he's been out for what? Like, you know, at least six weeks plus now. Um, so it's it's not been the best time. But I think Chelsea have managed to weather that storm quite head, handily over the last couple of weeks. Yes, we drew against Burnley last time out, but Burnley, having, you know, watching that game, that was firmly one of those games, you know, where you just, you knew it was going to be a draw. We had we had plenty of chances, just couldn't get the ball in the back of the net, and it was just you have those games. They happen in the yeah. season. It wasn't a game that worries you because we created twenty five shots. You know, it was just one of those days. Um, so I think Leicester is a good opportunity to get kind of Chelsea back into the win column because Leicester have had an erratic time of it in recent um, times. They so they've in in the last five, they've won two, drawn two, lost one. In the last three, they've had a win, draw, and a loss. Like they're just <laughs> all over the place. Um, and I do. I'm wondering if whether there's kind of outside of the football pitch, whether there might be some kind of distraction from Rogers, because there were lots of rumours about him and United over the international break. He actually spoke about that today. Brent did Rogers he? did. He did. He actually. Uh, he said, "Well, st- for starters, it's very rude that you're talking about." A position where somebody else mm. is cur- currently in position, like a yeah, yeah, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and secondly, he said I can't comment on it because it's all absolute nonsense. Is what he well, said. but when you, why are you addressing it? I think mm. you know why <laughs> talk about it in such a way if it's not got some sort of legitimacy. You just think, oh yeah, silly rumors, whatever. But yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Leicester, they've they're all over the place. The defensive record is shocking. It's one of the worst in the league. Mm, um, and they've they hit a bit of a nice run of form where they were scoring goals the last couple of weeks, but they weren't you know the they weren't the left side you're used to seeing in the last couple of years. They weren't they've not been as solid defensively. They've not been you know consistent um, at all. So it's going to be interesting to see how they do come up against what is currently the best defense in the league um, with only four goals conceded so far. Um, I think it's going to be a quite a good game though. I think Leicester, as they showed against. Uh, was it who did they play really well against recently? In that really was it Man U when they beat them four three or something? That was a great game to be fair. Four two, um, Man U four two. Yeah, beat Man U. They can they've sh- they showed in that game that they are well up for it against the the quote unquote big sides. Um, so I think they'll see this as a really kind of good chance them to think. Yeah, we are still who we are. Um, and I think Chelsea our post international break is always a bit of a worry for me because you know Chelsea has such a big squad of international players that they always come mm. back at different times and not as well-trained as other teams might be. So there's always a bit of a worry. 
But I think Chelsea can pull this one out. Um, I've gone for a 2-1 Chelsea win. Well, it's two ones across the board because oh, I've really? also gone for a 2-1 Chelsea win and Jake has also gone Ooh. for a 2-1 Chelsea win. Which... Mate, it's, it's an omen for, for this <laughs> week. Um, yeah, I agree with everything a lot you just said. Um, Leicester, like you said, all over the place. Um can get no sort of run of form going. If I look at their no. recent result, they got a point away at Leeds. Like Leeds have been t- lost mm. comfortably at home to Arsenal, scraped a win against Brentford, had that great performance against United, lost to Brighton, scraped by against like Leicester is the only one of the only games this season where I think we probably should have got something from yeah, as a yeah. Norwich fan. So they're a bit all over the place. Um like you said, Chelsea, all these big teams that have play, players gall- like going up, gallivanting all over the world, um, quite often suffer, suffer a bit of a uh, jet lag situation, yeah. a jet lag headache at the weekend. But Chelsea have got enough quality. And like you said, that defensive record is phenomenal. At the it minute. is. And I think we've, we've seen... I saw an insane stat this week about Ross Barkley. That if ah, you, you know, lesser forgotten Ross Barkley. Yeah, like in, in players who've played more than 100 minutes or something in the league this year, he has more key passes than anyone in the league. Mm. 4.3, and he's played about three games, which is quite <laughs> mad. Um, I didn't even but, know he played for Chelsea this year. Well, he, he's kind of come back into the fold. And I think he might actually start on Saturday just because I think Mount missed in the England games because he had a wisdom tooth surgery or something. I saw the videos um, of that. Yeah, it's very in funny the, videos. In the car, yeah. Um, I think Havertz <laughs> will likely play because he played for Germany. Werner isn't back yet. We'll start Ziyech, I imagine. Um, it's going to be a bit of a kind of a quote-unquote fixer-upper in Chelsea terms. You know, it's not... Yeah. You know, we're going to... You know, we've our ideal team would be kind of Mount Lukaku, Havertz or whatever, but it's going to be still out of the top-level starting lineup, but it's not going to be the ideal starting lineup for Chelsea as far as they're concerned. But as long as we've got players like Rhys James and Ben Chilwell scoring goals, who really cares? So Rhys James is excellent for England over the last week. I as heard well. I heard he so, was very good against England. Um, yeah. But then Alexander Arnold played against Savarino and got like seven assists or something. He did, yeah. so, I tell you what though, we mentioned it, how he's gonna get uh, James and Trent in the same team. Mm. James played centre midfield at some point in both games for England. Did he? He did. did he? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see if... the ability for it. Well, he's, I say we, he's done it. At, he's done it at Wigan in the championship, yeah. so it's not. But then San Marino is not as not not even Wigan level. So I mean, no, it's not. He's fine. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, and, and he was excellent for England. So uh, long may that continue for club and country. Um, yeah. First off, the three o'clock kickoffs is Villa are hosting Brighton. Um, Dean Smith going out means that somebody else is coming in at Villa, mm. and Steven Gerrard. Uh, as tenure as Villa manager starts on Saturday at home to Brighton. So there's a bit of an unknown quality to this one, really. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched a lot of his Rangers games <laughs> or or know sort of how he sets his team up. Um, I know a little bit about it, just from what I've read about him. Apparently, he's a, he's a 4-3-3 kind of guy, which I'm not surprised at. Most managers um, are, to be honest. Yeah, so it's, it's the pop information, <laughs> isn't it? Um, and But before you get into it more, I'm actually really excited to see what his villa are like me too i think it could be me, a, me very too. interesting to watch um but regardless of what he does tactically like being able to grab this villa team and sort of shake it into life after losing five games in a row in a row yeah. is a tough ask um scoring goals wasn't the issue for villa they scored in the majority of their 
that run, apart from I think Southampton was the only game that they'd been shut out since uh, playing Chelsea on the 11th of September. So yeah. scoring goals was never an issue, but they conceded so many in the last couple of weeks, um, last few weeks. Um, Conser is still suspended, I think. He was sent off against West Ham, so it was a straight red card as well. So he misses another two games, I think. So it's three three games of suspension for a straight red, I think it is. So um, Mings, I expect to come back, even though he started against um, Southampton. I expect him to sort of come back and from the relative cold, really. I think and he spoke about how he wasn't happy that he'd been dropped from the team. And I was like, well, have you watched yourself play this season? <laughs> yeah. You've been an absolute mess. Yeah. Um, so, but I think if Gerard, that kind of big character in the dressing room, uh, they're going to, Gerard's going to need to come and get him back on side and build that defense around him. I guess he's been yeah. away on England duty and he got his first England goal against San Marino, but um, I don't know whether he'll be sort of ready to play. I assume he will be because I say that San Marino game was just like a, uh, it's just like a glorified training exercise really. So mm. it shouldn't be lacking in, in match fitness. And yes, like I said, Gerard needs to get those big characters on board early. If he's going to sort of pull that dressing room round. And I think he'll probably have to try and build that defense around him. Um, Brighton haven't won in five games, but that does include draws against Liverpool. And that was a really good performance. And they got a point against Arsenal as well. Um, Trossard is still looks like their sort of main and almost only threat to me going forward. Yeah, I said when he it came on it. against Wales the other day. He was the one I was like, I'm quite scared of him. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> when we when they played against Norwich, he looked like the only person capable of doing anything. And then he scored against Liverpool. He scored against uh, Newcastle as well, I believe. So he scored against Palace and he scored the equaliser, didn't he? Uh, did he? Or was that? Oh, that was Morpé. Was that Morpé? I can't remember. Uh, but yeah, he looks like their main outlet. And I think they need to get a few more people involved in that side of the game. Uh, like I said, defensively, they're like uh, much like Chelsea. Defensively, they're very, very Pretty good. Astute, def- yeah. Really, really good defensively. They've got the fourth best uh, record in terms of goals conceded behind Chelsea, City, and Liverpool. So um, they are the best of the rest. I said, if we say those three teams are way, uh, way out yeah, ahead yeah. and ever and everybody else. So, uh, but they will be missing their first choice keeper, Sanchez. He was sent off against Newcastle. Uh, I don't know necessarily if that's a problem. Obviously, their clean sheet and goals. <laughs> Uh, goals against record it's really good but whenever I see him play he looks like a bit of a a disaster waiting to happen to me mm. he's always well, looks like he's got that sort of mis- mistake, mistake in, in him yeah. like you have it's, that game it's a big of... fantasy error I'll tell you that much by the way is it he's a very popular goalkeeper in fantasy yes he gets a lot of points um, so that's he's, I think from what again what I've seen of him he's a good shot stopper but yeah. um like I said, he had that see where we had that open goal against against them that Sargent managed to somehow miss and <laughs> and the recent games that I've seen him on the TV as well, he's just oh he's a bit of a loose cannon, but yeah, their defensive record is nothing to be to be um, sniffed sniffed at. So like, he must be doing something right. Um, so yeah, Brighton are have a, are a bit of an imbalance, I think. I mean, they're really good defensively, but really sort of being a bit sort of stunted going forward so they're gonna to have to readdress that but maybe this is the perfect chance for them against the Villa team that's been leaking goals like nobody's business recently but yeah I think that new manager bounce at home and I know I know a manager's playing career has no bearing on how good they are uh, as a manager but getting a legitimate legitimate Premier League legend like Gerard in charge must have galvanized the players this se- this week at, at Bodymore mm-hmm. at their training ground um 
and the fans will buy into that as well. Can you imagine, like, I don't care who you are in the Premier League, apart from maybe United or Everton fans, if you turned up and saw Gerard was, like, your manager... You, You'd be, you'd be, oh, yeah. okay. I'm, yeah, I'm up for this. <laughs> so, yeah, I, think so. Um, I think that, I think that home new manager bounce at home. I think I, I have to back Villa on this one. I'm going for a two-one Villa win. Mm. I was also thinking two-one. I think it's going to be a lot of two-ones this week. And looking at the all the fixtures this week, feel very two-one-ish. I don't know why. Um, I've got, um, I've got at least two more. Yeah, I've <laughs> two got, I've more. got a couple more two-ones. Um, but I think for this game, I think I'm with you, and I'm we're going to see a bit of a a new manager bounce. Whether it's a win or not is my question. Um, so I was I might... toying between one all and two one. One all was I my really was, pick yeah. earlier, so I think I'm going to pick one all actually. Okay. One all. Jake is joining you on a draw. He's gone for mm. two two. Exciting draw. Goals galore. Yeah. Uh, moving on with the three o'clock. Kickoffs on Saturday. Reese Burnley are hosting Crystal Palace, who are yeah. what the informed team in the Premier League um, up there. I'd say probably either yeah. it's them or Chelsea, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. or Arsenal even. Or West um, Ham. There's a lot of good informed teams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quite, yeah, it's about four or five teams to be actually yeah. quite good. Um, so it's like with Burnley, they obviously pulled out a very impressive draw against Chelsea the other week. It was a bit, you know, not to be a homer. It was a little bit luck based. You know, Chelsea could have scored five on another day. But, you know, Nick Pope made some really, really good saves and it was a very, very solid draw. And they were, they were well worth their goal anyway. You know, it, was, it wasn't as if they had nothing all game. Um, and I think they have a little bit more about them than maybe we realise at the minute. Um, but, you know, the, all of their good stuff comes through Maxwell Cornet, who's had an amazing start. Yeah, he's been great. Burnley. One of the signings of the season so far. Easily. Um, so I think he's someone that Palace will have to look to stop if you're going to get something out of this game. But like you've just said, Palace are one of the form teams in the season. And, you know, they went through a phase when I was saying that they are cursed, that they cannot win a game. They're getting loads of draws, you know, against Brighton. They conceded in the 95th minute or something. Mm. Like they just couldn't buy a win for love nor money. But then now they've won two in a row and they've looked good doing it as well. They've not lost mm. in the league since mid-September, by the way, yeah. which is really quite good. a long time. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you throw in, we say it all the time, you've got, a really exciting squad of players that, you know, Zaha's always going to be a threat. You've got Edouard up front. You've got Conor Gallagher, who got his first England call-up in the week. He did. Which is very deserved. Yeah, he yeah looked good. He won that free kick that you, that you scored from. Like, this has the recipe to be quite an exciting game, I think, because Burnley showcased, especially in their win against Brentford uh, before the break, that they aren't... This team, anyway, this version is not as defensively minded as previous Dice teams. It has a bit more about it going forward with people like Corney and McNeil. So you might see a bit more of a, a gung-ho type game between these two. I think Palace have got a bit too much for Burnley. I think they're going to take the form into the game, you know, because they are. Vieira's just feeling quite excited about where his team is. I think his, his team is finally at a place where he's quite happy with it. So I'm going to go for a 3-1 Palace win. A three one. I yeah. I'm joining you on a palace win, but I've gone for two nil. So the same yeah. same goal difference, same goal if difference, you like. Yeah. But um, yeah, Crystal Palace to shut out Burnley. Jake's gone for a one nil. Crystal Palace wins. We've all backed Palace in this one. Yeah, Palace uh, are now the the new after Brighton. They're the new Goldmouth Ramble team. The, the new. <laughs> so. <laughs> first. Um, yeah, but Palace are really solid. They've. Again, outside these sort of likely candidates, um, Liverpool, Chelsea, City, West Ham, um, they've scored 
uh, like a lot of the most guys score 15 goals and yeah. defensively they're not great they're like very middle they're not terrible they they're very, mi- goals, yeah. very middle of the park um, I think they've had a few clean sheets like I said recently but um, again yeah shutting out Wolves and, and City no less but yeah, yeah. They're, they're just a really well balanced team I think Palace and yeah. uh, the, the international break probably came at the wrong time for them really because they were on a bit of a yeah. bit of a run but I bet them to keep it going here. Uh, we'll keep it going here as well. Um, Newcastle are hosting Brentford in the next of the Saturday three o'clocks. Ooh, uh, hell, and off. the new next, managers the new them. managers, the second of three home games um, for new managers this uh, this week. Uh, like I said, much like Gerard, new manager game at home. So it's a bit of an of an unknown as to how as to how how is going to set up his team. <laughs> um, Unlike Norwich, who will get to it in a minute, and like I said earlier, it's not that Newcastle have a handful of players that Bruce wasn't playing who are suddenly going to come back into the fold under like a new management system. Like we've got Cantwell, Gilmore, and uh, Jollis ready to come in who haven't seen a game of football for about two months, um, and hopefully will be a bit of a difference. Uh, that hasn't happened at Newcastle. They've been playing that like Saint Maxman's been playing, Wilson's been yeah. playing, Almiron's been playing. So. The personnel isn't going to, yeah. The personnel isn't going to change and shouldn't really change too much from what I can tell because I don't really know what else Newcastle can do from what they've been doing, mm. uh, personnel wise. So it's all a waiting game for Newcastle at the minute. They've just got to hang on till January, get enough points on the board, um, and then start to feed in these new signings that they're going to get. And I think this January is going to be really interesting balancing out for them because looking at where they are now and where they will probably be in January, no huge names are going to be jumping at that chance to join Newcastle in January. So it's going to be real, right? Well, let's look at sort of top end championship players or equivalents in other leagues or sort of middling teams in La La Liga and stuff like that. And let's see if we can convince some people at that level to like, nobody's going to join from big teams around Europe yet. Uh, It might be different in the summer. Uh, But yeah, Newcastle, I'm just going to have to wait and see what Howell does because I think he lost his way at Bournemouth a bit. Um, it went a bit stale. It went it went a bit stale there rather than a bit sort of sour. It just, I think he just ran out of ideas and momentum and 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 it all just yeah. It was it was an amicable departure as far as I'm aware from all parties. Yeah. It was just he needed a break and he's been out of the game for quite a while now. It's been over over a twelve months at least. So. Interested to see him get back and see what he can do with this Newcastle team. Brentford, I've said it already, and I'm going to say it again. I'm convinced that Brentford are on a slide that will see yes. them end up in the relegation zone at the end of the season. You might not go that far, but it's so reminiscent of two Norwich, Torrey Norwich two years ago. They didn't make too many additions in the summer. Their only, their only two major ones they did were Aya, their centre back, and Onyeka uh, in midfield. Uh, they just so they by default because they did that they decided to reward a lot of those players that got them promoted a shot in the Premier League which is good but are they good enough they got some great early results which Norwich did two years ago uh, particularly against some big teams which Norwich did two years ago they're riding on the high promotion as Norwich did two years ago <laughs> uh, and then a few bad results and a few unlucky injuries and they've lost four goal, four games in a row now and Seems to be tumbling pretty quickly. Um, Tony hasn't scored since he scored a penalty against Wolves on the 18th of September. So um, Brentford are in, I don't want to say free fall, but because it's not, they are, it's not like they're getting absolutely blown out in any of their games, but like 
particularly against Burnley and particularly against Norwich, they were two pretty... Well, the Burnley one particularly, the Burnley absolutely blew them away. The Norwich one, they probably maybe could have got something on a different day. Like I said, Krull was incredible and made mm. a few great saves. But to grant Norwich their first win of the season at home, like that's <laughs> that's not great. Pretty damning. <laughs> it's yeah. as far as your Brentford. Uh, again, I'm going to have to back the new manager bounce though in this one. Uh, and I'll see them over the line here. This is like where the new area, area of Newcastle properly kicks into first gear. Like, oh, we had the new takeover and everything. That was exciting. But okay, right. The old management of team are gone completely. The new manager is in. This is his first game at home. Let's 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 start. So I'm going to go for a game of high quality and go for a 1-0 <laughs> new, uh, Newcastle win. Um, yeah. With actually I'm, not that much quality. No, I'm feeling similar. I think Brentford are worse than Newcastle are. I think that's pretty fair to At say. The minute, Newcastle think, are not yeah. good, but Brentford are just playing some bad football right now. Um, and they are, I think free is probably a fair way to put it. And I think, you know, they've tumbled from being, what, they were top they were top seven at some point, and now they're 14th. And they Do you remember be... when that supercomputer predicted that Brentford would finish fourth? Yeah, I know. Where's that's that? That's fun. <laughs> I, came out, I saw that, that came back today actually on the, on on the tweets, and I saw that Chelsea were going to concede no more goals the rest of the year, apart from, <laughs> which was quite good. Um, but no, I think by the end of this weekend, it's very possible that Brentford might be in the bottom three because I oh, know that at least seventeenth they could be, which you know would be a not it wouldn't be surprising to me. So yeah. I'm whether I can see Newcastle winning is a different question because I think Newcastle are actual shit. But still I, yeah, haven't, I still haven't won a Premier League game this season. They haven't. Could, couldn't be my club. No, no. They had five draws, and you know Eddie Howe's only been there officially for what, like less than a week, really. Like, how much can he do to impl- you know impart his style on the side? So I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a one-all draw. One-all draw. Like a bad draw. Uh, Jake has also gone for a Newcastle win, but he's gone for a two-one Newcastle Ooh. win. Uh, next up at the three o'clock kickoffs is Norwich are hosting Southampton. Like I said earlier, Dean Smith. He's in the dugout. He's the third manager this weekend, uh, playing in front of the home crowd on his first game with his new club. Um, he's in a really weird position where his first game as Norwich manager is against the his team that he played in his last game as Villa manager. He lost to Southampton, got fired, and is now playing Southampton at home this weekend, uh, but is managing a different team. So at least he should have his game prep sorted, which is something. Yeah. Uh, so he, he say it was his first day of training today, so he's only going to get today and tomorrow as we're recording this Thursday and Friday um, to prep for this game. But um, he, sh- he, sh- he say he should have some notes <laughs> from uh, from his last game as Villa manager. Um Norwich should be should be high on of, of coming off the back of that win against Brentford, but so much has gone on in the time between that it's difficult to know how this is going to go. Um, like I said, with Howe and Gerrard, new manager, even though we're more familiar with it more recently because of his time at Villa, we still don't know what a Smith team at Norwich looks like. Um, he said in his press conferences this week, the most important thing to start with is to stop Norwich conceding so many goals. Um, so I don't think at home against Southampton he'll be setting up negatively, around, as particularly in his first game. You need to get fans on side early on, but yeah. um, so he's not going to be. It's not going to be like a 
10 men at the back job but I expect him to set Norwich up responsibly I think is the word rather than <laughs> going like gung-ho and just trying to win 4-3 or something like that because yeah. trying to outscore Southampton in a game like that is that's what asking Tricky. for disaster because yeah. they're another team like Brighton earlier said uh, really 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 solidly defensive solid defensively um, in terms of goals uh, against they are um right down there as well alongside Brighton and they conceded uh, the same amount of goals this season as Brighton so apart from those three at the top of the table Liverpool City and Chelsea they've got the best defence in the league uh, they've three wins from the last four um, including uh, and then I can't remember who that draw was against uh, probably yeah, Burnley it was yeah so they beat Leeds beat Villa beat Watford all games that you probably should expect Southampton to win but they did it and kept clean sheets in all of them all 1-0 wins so like I said they're a really solid defensively defensively solid team yeah. so if Norwich are going to get anything from this game they need to uh, probably score first and draw Southampton out um, and then I hope to hope to beat them on the counter attack um, I'm I hate predicting this because I have no idea what kind of Norwich team is going to turn up but I'm going to go for a new manager bounce, but not to the extent that uh, Gerard and Howard are not going to get three points. But I'm going to go for a one-all draw here mm. and just um, get the Smith here at Norwich off to a steady, steady start. Yeah, I think I do kind of agree. I think Steen Smith is going to go out looking for a positive result. Whether he, like you say, whether he's looking for a win, obviously I love a win, obviously, but yeah. I think he's going to set it here to just get a point. You know, start things off steadily but oh can you imagine think... that if you go gung and gung gung ho and lose three nil at home to southampton oh, in your yeah, first that game would... that'd be a disaster yeah, exactly <laughs> however i think southampton are in really nice form you know three wins in four including three wins out of four including a draw so they've not lost four games like they they're playing well and they're scoring goals and they got an armstrong backfiring again you know mm. and they've got challenge they've got you know armstrong and adams and broyer as well you've got you know quite a nice little attack there and i think they are quite a fun team to watch they've got you know Livermento at right back is probably going to be you know up there with young player of the year you know oh, team of the minute, season yeah, wise as well be, like yeah. he's really good he's gonna to have to try and beat out both Trent and Reese James for that but you know it's, it's doable he's had a great start of the year so I think I don't know I I can see Samson sneaking this one I think it might be a bit of a, a rough start for Dean Smith uh so I'm gonna go for a 1-0 Southampton win that's all right. I don't don't judge you. Uh, not publicly, anyway. Um, Jake has gone for a draw as well, but he's going for a drab nil nil. He always has to have a nil nil, so that's the one he's gone for this week. Um, the next of the three click kickoffs on Saturday is Watford are hosting Manchester United. The Ollie Sol Gunnar Solskjaer situation continues to rumble on like a. Oh, I don't even know what the metaphor or simile is at this point it's just a <laughs> well it's a disaster isn't it uh the, the, cl- the fan base is so divided on it well i don't even think it's divided at this point i think it's why aren't the board doing anything about it well we've seen spurs being proactive we've seen villa we've seen norwich be proactive like why are we just sitting on our hands and and i've seen this thing circulating where the board are not willing to do it because there's no managers out there like free agents we'll go and buy somebody out of the contract then you're man united like do you know what i mean like identify again just picking picking any of the top clubs around like ajax or anybody like that that's a name the um what's his name uh ten hag is it there 
he's been linked to it. I was like, well, you're Man United. If you if that's who you want, go and buy his contract out. Like whether he joined Man United is a different <laughs> matter altogether. But like Man United have the power to do that. So don't sit on your hands and say there's nobody available on the free market that interests us. That's not good enough. In terms of Man United on the pitch, I, well, yeah, <laughs> that noise says it all. They're in really, really dodgy situation at the minute. Ever since that, well, it was really the Leicester game, really. They got beaten comfortably away at Leicester, uh, then obviously got thumped at home to Liverpool. That Spurs game was a bit of an anomaly, but that was the whole Nuno thing was that was just vitriolic there, and that was that was never going to end well for Spurs in that situation. Then he scraped a two-two draw against Atalanta in the Champions League, and then got beaten comfortably at home again against City, and they conceded seven and scored none in their last two home games. Like <laughs> I know against good teams, but yeah. that is not Man United at all. Yeah. Varane is still injured. Which is a real problem for them because they really struggled when he's not playing Maguire, despite been. giving it the big one when he scored against whoever the oh, hell it was he scored. That, was. He got <laughs> memed to shit for that. It he was did. Very funny. Roy Keane gave him the uh, gave him both barrels on on ITV coverage as well. Uh, they need him to just grab the defense by the by the scuff of the neck and sort himself, them out and himself out. Really, uh, Watford though look poor. Uh, yeah, they do. Ranieri was. We all said it. He was an interesting appointment. Um, when they brought him in, I don't know if he's the right man for this situation in this team. No. Early evidence is probably not a part of that freakish last ten minutes against uh, against Everton. Everton. Um. Yeah. And when you look at Watford's next four games, we I say Norwich Man-U, had a Leicester, Man Chelsea, Chelsea City like. <laughs> That's oh, rough. <laughs> yep. um, and I, as dodgy as Man United are at the minute, this is the kind of game they should be winning comfortably. Um, I say comfortably, I'm going for a 2 0. Maybe that's a comfortable 2 0. Who knows? Mm. But I don't think they're going to be blowing anybody out of the water because they're not that sort of team at the minute. But I no. don't expect any upset here of any sort. It'd be nice if it was, just because it's very. Funny oh, just for the yeah. I, I, again, I, it, it's people's livelihoods and stuff. But when Man United lose, it is so funny because the internet <laughs> just is just an absolute shitstorm. It's yeah. incredible. This was the game a few weeks and weeks back. We were, I'm sure, in our you know we've got that NFL Twitter chat. We were talking about football, hmm. and I I said that I penciled in this was the game that would be Solskjaer's last game. I said what the game would be. And the fact that Spurs got Conte has ruined that ever so slightly. <laughs> and I wasn't, I didn't realize this was after an international break. Because if any, if Manu were a wild run side and they were going to get rid of the manager, you'd do so before the international window. Yeah. So I think he's probably safe for now. He's avoiding my curse on him. But it would be funny as fuck if Watford could pull out <laughs> something here. They won't because Watford are crap. And I think Manu. People like Ronaldo is probably getting quite sick of all of the United shit at the minute. So I think, yeah, I think Man U will, will just have too much of them. Fernandez and Ronaldo will take over this game and they'll win it quite comfortably. I'm going to go for a 3-0 Man U win. Yeah. I think, as we said, the international break came at the wrong time for Palace. Probably it came at a good time for United. Even it though they've is. got a lot of players, as they're going off around the world, it still gives Solskjaer and his coaching team a chance to just sit back and say, right, good God, like, 
let's mm-hmm. actually properly sit down and evaluate what the hell is going on here yeah, exactly. and see if we can come up with a solution. Um, and there's no better game to go and try something, uh, whatever, what, whatever conclusion they came to, we'll see. But uh, to go yeah, put that into, put that into action. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jake is joining you on a 3 0. Um, Manchester United win on that one. Yeah. Last of the three o'clocks, Reese. Uh, Wolves are hosting West Ham United. They are. And I was, I was looking at this one. I was actually quite looking forward to it. I think what Wolves have kind of settled back into they're just now a solid Premier League side now. Like they went on a really good run with it and loot. And I think they won about four games in a row. But then they've, since then, they've settled back into a win loss and a draw in the last three games. But Wolves are now. They've gotten over the horrible start of the season. They've, they've now settled in as a solid side. And they have good players in there. They've got, you know, Jimenez and Hwangi Chan up front, who they could cause anyone issues on the, on a good day. Mm-hmm. You've got Connor Cody. He's, he's, I think he's a very solid centre-back. You've got Jose Sarangol, who's a very solid goalkeeper. Like, you've got play- Ruben Neves in midfielders, obviously. You know, yeah. I think he's really talented. So I think, you know, they've got a really good squad that they can do some damage. Um, and they will prove to be a challenge for West Ham because they do have a pretty solid defensive record, a bit like Southampton and Brighton. They've only conceded 12 goals this year, which is, again, the equal best apart from Chelsea for the Man, U, Man City. sorry. So, you know, they they have a bit about them and they can defend and they can score goals. Um, so they are going to be a difficult game for West Ham. However, a bit like Palace, West Ham have been one of the most exciting teams this season so far. They've won four games in a row. That's just in the league, by the way. They've mm-hmm. not lost in the Europa League. They knocked Man City out of the cup. Like, they've just been on an incredible few weeks of form. They beat Liverpool last time they played out. They beat them 3-2. You know, outscoring Liverpool is a tricky task for anyone, let alone just West Ham. And they, they're just in unbelievable form. And they've got a really impressive side. And everyone feels like, you know, they've bought into Moyes' ideas. We talked earlier about you know, having a manager who can just rally players around and work towards the same goal. And I feel like Moyes has got his team, West Ham team playing exactly that way and playing in a really fun, exciting way that makes them difficult to beat. And they score loads of goals. They concede a fair few. They've conceded, what, 13 this year, which is, again, worse than uh, Wolves. But they've they scored 23, which only Chelsea and Man City have scored more this year. Mm. Like they've sco- uh, Chelsea and Liverpool have scored more this year. They've scored more than Man City this year, which is quite an achievement for West Ham. So I think West Ham will have too much for Wolves. Uh, but I think it's going to be quite a good game. I think Wolves are going to put up a fight. And I think it might take a bit of a, you know, a, either a bit of luck or a bit of genius from West Ham to win it. But I've gone for a 2-1 West Ham win. Um, for the second time of the show, yes. you're making it a full house on 2-1. Oh, we've all gone 2-1. We've all gone 2-1 to West Ham. Um, <laughs> West Ham are so good. I, really I love watching West Ham play, which I can't yeah. believe I'm saying about a David Moyes team, but I think he needs to take so much credit for what he's done at West Ham, considering yeah, post-Everton, like his United tenure was a shambles and he spent a bit of time at Sunderland, um, somewhere else as well, that I'm forgetting, I'm sure. Uh, but oh, the job he's doing at West Ham is unbelievable. Um mm-hmm. He's got Declan Rice playing like one of the best midfielders in the world right now. Uh, that front three behind Antonio continues to look good for now. So I've said it on previous episodes. When they signed him, it took him a while to bed himself in and find out what kind of player he was in that system. But this season, he's looked phenomenal. Bowen and Ben Rama have looked good. Ben Rama's dipping a little bit. I think he's struggling to form a little bit. He's yeah. like he's trying a little bit too hard. He seems to be a bit frustrated and trying to take on one too many players whenever I've watched them recently. But 
the team as a whole, that attacking unit is great. They did lose Ogbonna against Liverpool, which they did. Ugh, that's tough for them because I say that centre back partnership of him and Zoom has been really solid, uh, solid so far this season. Um, and I don't is Dawson came on for him off the bench. Is it going to be Dawson long term? I imagine he'll be the first one up. Yeah, which ooh, I don't know. He's he's is been it... he's, he's been around the Premier League for a long time, but that might be the mm. issue. I'd, I'd maybe he's one of those players that that seems older than he is, but I don't know. He, I just feel like he's he's not. Um, if you're wanting to compete at that tape end of the end of the table at West Ham, are. Mm, he's only thirty one. Yeah, maybe. Um but yeah, he's not as good as Ogbonna has been this season. No, I think uh, really good. Liverpool I don't know what's going on with Liverpool. They smashed United five nil and then they drew to Brightford and lost to West Ham, so who knows? Liverpool mm. I still think on their day are the best team in the league. Um mm. but their form has just waved a little bit recently. Uh, I mean their form is weird, man. Yeah, they comfortably beat Atletico before that West Ham loss so you just the problem is you just don't know what Liverpool team's going to turn uh, uh, what am I talking about Liverpool for Wolves, I don't know I just, I just, <laughs> Liverpool are coming up next we have a tangent uh, yeah uh, but anyway yeah Wolves West Ham great West Ham are going to win Liverpool yeah so their form's really in- interesting uh, yeah I think I don't know why I was doing that. I think I was looking at the West West Ham Liverpool game and then I clicked on Liverpool's yeah, results. Probably. Yeah, it's a fair connection, fair. But uh, yeah, so West Ham are going to beat Wolves, but Liverpool um, against who? Yeah, uh, against yeah. Arsenal in the five thirty kickoff go. on Saturday. God, you could tell we had an international break last week. Out of, <laughs> We're out of practice. <laughs> out of practice. Uh, so they're hosting Arsenal. Um, yeah, weird team, Liverpool. Um, mm. But on their day, they're the best team in the league and. Similarly, Arsenal. Arsenal are in. We spoke about teams in good form. They are in pretty solid form, form right now. Three um, in a row. They haven't lost in five. Like, yeah, really good. Didn't concede against Watford. Didn't concede against uh, Leicester. Um, obviously, it played against Leeds in the cup, but that was a kind of like a second eleven affair. But again, they're one of the form teams, and it's evidence that maybe that's what Man United are looking at and thinking. Well, if we give Solskjaer time, maybe they'll be able, he'll be able to play around. But. Um, Arteta spent his years, you know, training underneath Guardiola. Like that's the difference. Yeah. And Solskjaer's already had his time. The bit where they gave him time. That was the last season and the season before that. Um, The last year was probably the best version of Man you're going to get in Solskjaer when he came second. Like that's as good as it gets. I think. Yeah, I just. Yeah. So, but Arteta, I say, he's got them playing really well. They look. The main difference I've noticed with Arsenal from there is they look really good defensively. Ben White's come back mm. in and he's looked really good. Gabriel's made a huge difference since he's come back in. Tommy Asu, since they've signed him, has been an absolute rock as well. Mm. And Partey got Tierney back as well. And they have as well. And good. Party back in midfield as well, sort of covering um, mm. as well in the midfield as well. It's made a huge difference. So they look really solid defensively, which. It's not something that you could say about any Arsenal team in the last 10 years. So um, he's got them playing well, but this Liverpool team scores a lot of goals, scores goals for fun um, on their day. Again, they face a similar issue of players coming back from all over the place. So I don't know if anybody's picked up any injury. I didn't notice, I didn't see anybody who picked up any major injuries for Liverpool. I don't think so. um, Yeah. But... uh, if they have to drop a player or two, like if you have to drop Mana, you've got Yotta to come in. If you have to drop whoever, you've got whoever, yeah, like it's not an issue for a team. These big teams, that's why they always up there at the top of the table. Henderson yeah. looked great for England in in his um, international break. Uh, so 
it's good to see him back to full fitness because he's had a couple of seasons where he's been a bit in and out of the team with injuries and stuff. So him as the engine in that midfield, providing up to a front three of whoever it is, Liverpool they're going to score and they're going to score more than Arsenal this uh, this weekend and we'll go for three one to Liverpool. Oh, I don't know. See, I'm a bit less confident in that just because of how good Arsenal have been and how ropey Liverpool have been. Like you know, losing to West Ham, they've won twice. They drew against. They drew against. Um, they just not looked good though. They drew against Brighton. They drew. They, they beat Man U five 0 Man, that was more Man U being shit. They drew with Man City. They drew with Brentford. Like they're a very out of form team, which is not like Liverpool. They're not consistent at the minute, and it's very different for Klopp to try and deal with. And yet, you know, you said that they smashed it in in Europe, which is you know fair play to them, but. You know, they should be better than fourth place, which is where they are now. Mm. And yes, it's very congested at the top between Man City, West Ham and them. Only one point between the three of them. But Liverpool should be doing better. And I think Arsenal are in such good form and they're playing really well that they are starting to believe in this, the Arteta system, the Arteta way. And like you said, you know, they've got Arsenal got a very good defence. And going forward, I think Emil Smith throws brilliant this year yeah, I think he's, he's really one of my real really, really stars of the up. season for, across the whole league you know and then Aubameyang and Lacazette they can score against anyone they need to Saka's a talented player like they have players who can do damage and I think Liverpool's defence is nowhere near as good as it was um, it just doesn't seem as secure as it has been in a couple, the last couple of years you know when Van Dijk first came in Liverpool's defence was just effectively impenetrable and now this year, it does feel like that they are giving teams chances. I remember in like one of the first episodes we ever did, I remember saying how Burnley, Burnley caused Liverpool issues. Burnley had chances to score goals in that game. And yes, Liverpool won 2-0. But Burnley had the opportunities. I think McNeil hit the post or something. Like They mm. are giving up chances. And I think a team with players that Arsenal have got, if you give up chances to an Aubameyang or a Smithrow or a Saka or a Lacazette, they will punish that. And I think I think Liverpool are going to be in a bit of a scrap here, so I think I might go for a quite exciting two-all draw. Ooh, very exciting! That's the sky mm. kickoff. I would love that to happen. Cause... That'd be great fun. Our Friday, Friday night, absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, Jake has gone for a two-nil win to Liverpool, so he is confident as well about Liverpool mm. at home. We shall see. Uh, moving on to Sunday. Um, Man City in the two o'clock kickoff are hosting Everton. Uh, spoiler: Me and Jake have gone for the same score again on this one. Me too, man. Uh, so, can you make it a hat trick and see if you well, can get the same result? So, well, obviously, last time Man City had one of their easiest wins of the season against Man U. Man U looked all out of sorts, and Man City made it look very easy. They should have won that game 5-0. But it was the same as the Liverpool game. The second half, they just, yeah. just stopped they playing. Stopped, really. they, yeah, they shut down. Um, <laughs> but I think I think Guardiola is still probably kind of fuming about the Palace loss. Like, that's a game that he cannot allow to happen. Especially when, you know, they're already, you know, claw, trying to claw back three points against Chelsea, and they're only just, they're level on points with West Ham. Like, Guardiola is not used to being in this kind of position for Man City, really. Um, but I cannot see Everton giving them any sort of fight because Everton have been capital S shit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> Everton have lost three of the last five games and they've looked bad as well in those games. Like against Watford, to capita, you know, to capitulate like the way they did was just astonishing. 
Um, they couldn't beat Tottenham, and Tottenham have been shite for weeks. They lost to Wolves. They lost to West Ham. Like they couldn't beat Man U. Like they've they're not a good team. And I think all of the good you know praise that Benitez had has faded away in the last few weeks when they've started to play actual competent sides. You did call them. Um, I did. I did because I I knew what Benitez was like at Chelsea, and I felt like Benitez has always been a bit of an overrated manager. Anyway, but I think it's Everton have shown themselves up as being not that good. And I think the fact that they haven't got um, Calvert-Lewin still, who's not back from injury, I can't see what Everton are doing well without someone like Calvert-Lewin up top because they're such a cross-heavy team that unless you've got that proper target number nine, there is no point being a crossing-heavy team. Yeah. So that's well, when you're doing it, when you're doing it to Rondon, who is exactly not, Rondon and Richarlison, Calvert Lewin. Richarlison's not a header <laughs> of the ball, really, is he? He's a talented footballer, yes, but he's not a header. Um, and Everton's last win, by the way. Do you know when it was? Hmm, I wonder. Was it at home? <laughs> it was. Uh, was it two nil? It was. Uh, to a team that play in yellow. Do you know when it was? Uh that would that been it's September at some point. End of September. They're not yeah. one in nearly two months. <laughs> Which is absolutely astonishing for a team that claimed to ha- have some sort of actual, you know, talent at football. Like how they're only eleventh is a baffling sign to me. How bad must the rest of the league be to for them? To There's be at least five really poor teams this year. Yeah, so they <laughs> they're in danger of. I you know, in an ideal world, I would watch Man City absolutely demolish Everton. Uh, but I've gone four. Here we go. This is this is the big moment. A 2-0 win. So close. Damn it. 3-0? Me, me and Jake have both gone 3-0. Nah, yeah. I want 2-0. Man City love a 2-0 win. I got 2-0. They do. They do this season particularly. Um, <laughs> we all know that football manager it may as well be real life. And just something mm. that I've noticed uh, in the latest edition of it, Football Manager 22, that's come out this uh, last few weeks. Not sponsored, but uh, if you're listening, Football Manager, let us know. Cancafer is a very, very good game if you're into your football simulators. Uh, but I would love to try to play it, actually. I wonder if I could you know, get a chance to play that game, hmm. Sega. What am I allowed to? Send us a copy. We'll, we'll try <laughs> it. We'll do, a, we'll do a review on the show next week. We'll do a review. Yeah, we'll do um, a but uh, one thing I have noticed as I've been playing through it and uh, I've seen other people uh, playing through it is that Everton, on more occasions than you'd think, get relegated. Like I don't yeah. think that is going to happen in real life. But oh no, there's there's um, way worse, worse teams team. than Everton in the league. But, but. Uh, football manager are really detailed in their uh, scouting and stuff they do. Like all the clubs have various dele- uh, delegated scouts that follow them and all their players in the entirety of the season to produce their like stats and data and stuff. So mm. they see Everton as a pretty poor side, and um, well, it's at the minute. Football manager is real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaking news, da, 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 which Ooh. you won't care about, and ninety nine percent of our other listeners won't care about. Oh, um, some of the pictures have been just from being released of Dean Smith's first training session at Norwich. <laughs> and the big takeaway from it is, mm. Matthias Norman's dyed his hair. Oh my god! It's it was not grateful. It's it? not it blonde cool. like grey blonde anymore. No. It's boring like brown. Oh, that's a shame. Absolute pure devastation over here. Well, that's, rele- see... that's relegation sealed, isn't it? Absolute <laughs> shambles. Why would you do that? 
Unbelievable. I don't know, mate. You had a bit of a talisman there in his oh, ears, Maybe. I do remember when, on the topic of hair, by the way, it was very funny when, for some reason, both Thiago Silva and Jorginho this summer rocked up with bleach blonde hair. Mm. That was a bizarre sequence of events. And you know, they both look great doing it, but <laughs> just weird. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe you've done this. Oh, that's, that's devastating. Pure devastation. So I can't Maybe be- that was Dean Smith's first thing. Well, that's the thing. Maybe, maybe he did it. He did it and was, uh, uh, Norman did it. I need to impress the new manager and look more professional. So <laughs> Gotta look more brown. like a real human being. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm going to change my prediction from to three nil Southampton now. That's absolutely <laughs> appalling, baby. Uh, but uh, we'll leave that um, sad side note to one side and move on to the last game of the weekend, uh, which is the four thirty kickoff on Sunday, and Spurs are hosting Leeds. Reese, oh yes, they are. So this is obviously going to be an interesting watch for mainly Spurs fans, but I'm curious here as well because I think this is going to be the first game where we'll see a bit more of what Conte's Tottenham are going to be like you know he's, he played a couple of games before um, the break you know they've had that bonkers Europa League tie where I think they won it 4-3 at the end or something it was quite mental um, but and then they what did they, do? they drew with Everton in the other game like it was a bit nuts and a bit of a strange first couple of games so it, was, it has another chance Conte has a chance anyway to get his stamp on the Tottenham side yet so I, but I think like a bit like the Watford game earlier so Manu playing Watford this is a really good chance for Conte to get a nice easy win under his belt to kind of instill a bit of confidence in the Spurs side and he needs to crucially get you know his Tottenham's best players playing well again because Son has not played well for a long time Kane has been shite all season um, but Kane is coming the back off the back of some very very scored impressive about, performances. Scored about twenty goals. I think. He scored great goals against you know <laughs> real real challenges in Albania and San Marino. But then our leads the San Marino of the Premier League. You Maybe. just don't know. So we'll see what Conte can do with the Spurs team after a couple more weeks of training and tac- tactical meetings you'd, with them. And you'd see think this should be. Like the fit, like you can't expect yeah. immediate turnaround from him in that sort no. of. This should be the first time we see sort of like properly how I'm he's going to set up his Spurs That's team. What I'm thinking. I think he will stick with his three at the back system. I think I am curious to see how he does his you know attacking lineup. You know, I think in my mind I would have Kane, Son, and uh, Lucas Moura as a front three. But you know, who am I to say? I'm not even on foot manager. Um, but um, conversely as I've alluded to Leeds have been a bit shocking this year Um, and they are you know they won they won maybe two weeks ago against uh, Norwich apologies I know you were there not a great day that was but they've just not been good this year they concede goals all the time they can't score many goals they're still missing Bamford who looks like he's out until December at least Um, and Leeds are just they're nowhere near what they were like last year and I think it is kind of the perfect time for Spurs to play them, to get some goals under their belt, to get a new system in in place, and get some of their kind of top players playing well again. Um, I know they they you know Leeds have got Rafinha, and I think the Vitesse game, which I just checked was three two not not four three. Um, the Vitesse game showcased some defensive weaknesses that Spurs have, that you know someone like Rafinha might be able to make some kind of headway into. But I think they are still missing a proper striker like Bamford um, mm-hmm. to make a, much of a difference. So I'm going to go for a Spurs win, but it's going to be a fairly kind of defensive 1-0 Spurs win. 
Uh, we've all gone for a Spurs win. Jake's gone for a 2-1 Spurs win. And I've gone for a 2-0 Spurs win. Um, yeah. This should be, the, the like we said with Newcastle earlier, this should be the properly the, the start of the new era. There's last two, The last two games against Everton and whoever the hell it was they played before that as well in the uh, Europa League. Uh, no, sorry, the Conference League, not the Europa League. Um, yeah, this is the, he's had two weeks here to bed in his principles, properly coach his team, get everybody on the same page, and he need like he need, he needs to. This is a game that he needs to make a statement. I think really, uh, it probably will help that Kane's gone away and found his scoring form again. He should. Again, the level of opposition is should be taken into account, but he just needed to get some confidence back and start scoring goals. And yeah, um, exactly. he has. A, I just I didn't realize how bad Spurs were offensively. So they've scored nine goals this season, worse <laughs> than everybody in the league apart from yeah. somebody else. You uh, <laughs> so they were really. They've been really, really. I didn't realize it was. I realized it was bad. I didn't realize it was quite that bad. Um, the XG first XG stat of the day as well. Like they're third from bottom behind Newcastle, ahead of only Newcastle and Norwich. So it's not like there's like a false position where they've created loads of chances yeah. and stuff. Like I don't even think they had a shot target again against Everton. And that was a whole it's very possible. That was they a whole that was a whole meme thing where like they yeah. hadn't scored any goals and had any shots again under Nuno, and then they did the same under Conte. But yeah. this should be a different Spurs team, I think. And again, personally, it'll be all the same. But first Premier League game at home for Conte, I think this is a bit of a statement game for them. And they'll comfortably beat Leeds 2-0. Uh, good. That wraps up our previews for game week 12, which yeah. leaves us at the end of the show, as always, to head over to Reese's Fantasy Football Fantasy. Corner. Obviously, there's no kind of updates needed this week because there were no games last couple of days. However, if you remember last time, there was a twist in the tail at the top of the Premier League, of the Fantasy League, excuse me, where Sam Platt took over from the perennial first placer, Sean Alexander. um, And Sam Platt had a message for, you know, everyone listening. But uh, Sean has been in touch and he has sent us a little message in reply to Sam to kind of stoke some fires oh, uh, of competition um so here is the quote from sean in response to sam platt about losing position at top of the premier league sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit <laughs> he was very very happy with that i didn't hear and that. i mean like play again <laughs> <laughs> it was uh it was a fun time uh so sean i think is looking back to get on top of the premier league um, of fantasy, of course, uh, is the next couple of days. And now it's you're looking at who to start as your captain, who to play as captain. That's been the talk of the uh, the fantasy blogs this week. And I think lots of people are looking at Ronaldo to get some sort of a bounce back game against Watford because he's had a bit of a shit time of it, as have all strikers in fantasy football this year, mm. where Ronaldo hasn't scored a goal in like five or six games um, for, for, in fantasy terms, which is quite an achievement for Ronaldo to achieve. Um, so think carefully who you're going to start as your captain. I'm leaning towards Salah because he's got Arsenal, but Salah is a very reliable player to have as your striker. Um, but you might do well, you know, someone like Reese James or Alexander Arnold or Chilwell or someone who you know can get points defensively and also maybe nick an assist or even a goal. Mm. You know, you might be looking at that 
kind of side of things. I'm currently thinking I might captain Alexander Arnold, but I don't know. It's tricky. But I, this is the week for the first time in a few weeks where I'm very happy with my full on my full side. I made some changes over over the entire break, and I'm very happy with it. So we'll see. I'm guaranteed now I'll get eight points. Next yeah, week. I look forward to so. you tumbling <laughs> toward doing the Brentford and tumbling towards the bottom of the league. Can't wait. So yeah, just think carefully about your uh, captaincy selections the next couple of uh, games because that is what makes the difference. I've noticed that this year is your captain play is super important. So be careful with it. Have you looked at your team yet, Nick? Have you decided yours yet? Uh, I haven't touched my fantasy team in, uh, well, well, yeah, since they last, and since, uh, I'll have a quick look now. Whilst I'm mm. finding it, Reese, I sent uh, just on WhatsApp a picture of Norman with uh, brown hair to I did if you want to see it. If you yeah. want to give me your um, reaction like to that. He's a player. He doesn't look the same person. It's very sad, isn't it? Because I remember, all I remember from Norman is from what I've seen of his. I remember he played an incredible pass out to the wing against Chelsea that was like on a half volley that was just like struck sweetly. But then Reese James tackled someone and then we scored from that tackle. Like it was just one of those moments where Norman did something amazing and then Norwich couldn't capitalize on it. Um, so that's my one Norman experience I can remember. But um, he does not look the same. No, so it does see, it's very sad. Go well. uh, looking at my team. Um... I've got Salah, I've got Bernardo Silva, I've got Alexander Arnold, I've got Chilwell. So any of those really are candidates. Mm. Um, who are Chelsea playing? We just talked about, it, but I've forgotten who are they got playing. Leicester. Hmm. You see, Ooh, I'd... Chilwell against Leicester. Oh, that's a bit of a revenge game. It is. He was very well liked at Leicester. He was. Mm. I don't know. They do boom though, actually, whenever we yeah. play them. Well, I haven't. I see. I, I haven't gone for in my predictions. I didn't go for Liverpool to keep a clean sheet either. So Alexander mm. Arnold, maybe not. Oh, that's tricky. But and City players are an absolute minefield as well because Pep likes to rotate. Yeah, so he does. <laughs> I've got Cancelo and Barra Silva. I think those two are pretty much nailed on. But I've Cancelo you know, particularly. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, well, we shall. Uh, I'll update you next week and tell you tell you who I captained and what a terrible decision it was. Yeah, uh, can't wait. Good. Uh, well, thank <laughs> you, Reese. As always, that has been the latest episode of the Goldmouth Ramble. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, please do at gr underscore pod. Um, we answered some questions on the last show, um, and we do that intermittently when we get uh, a batch full of them through. So if you want to ask us a question on there, do drop us a DM or just tweet us. That's absolutely fine. Um, we'll be back next week on Thursday, hopefully next week. Uh, Jake will again hopefully be with us. Uh, but until then, keep safe, uh, enjoy the football this weekend, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening, and see you then. Bye-bye.